Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. It's one of our holiday editions of Cloud Wars Live. We've been delighted to have you throughout the year. We're so happy to, you're coming back. It's great to see everybody. And we wish you the very best for a warm and wonderful holiday season and a great 2021. We're delighted to have today one of our regular monthly guests, Sean Amirati. Sean's a venture capitalist. He's a professor in the business school at Carnegie Mellon, where he has helped to start the corporate startup lab, where he helps big companies try to act nimble, entrepreneurial, fast moving and opportunistic. Sean, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me. So, John, end of year things, uh, you, it, it seems like you've got some ideas about the year that we've just come through and some thoughts about the coming year. So let me turn it over to you. Yeah, you know, so we did this last year, and I think I said something similar at the beginning of last year. Like, to me, the act of doing predictions is not as much about the prediction. It's just kind of a fun way to, to think about trends in business and things like that. So last year, we had five predictions. Um the first one was Amazon spinning AWS, which certainly didn't happen. But spoiler alert, uh, we will be again predicting Amazon spins <laughs> AWS in 2021. Excellent. Um, Courage your conviction, Sean. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, the second one was someone buys Slack, which uh, did happen uh, recently. Salesforce bought Slack. Um, the last three, I think you could argue, were all kind of COVID impacted, but I would say two out of three, we were correct. And I think the spirit of them were probably right across the board. So Walmart makes a major acquisition. Um, they did not do that. I think they were kind of COVID impacted, but I will say, you know, this craziness that continues with TikTok, uh, you could argue is kind of part of that kind of financial engineering. Um, I, I think that's a mistake, but that's sort of neither here nor there. Uh, online corporate continuing education continues to heat up. That certainly happened this year, uh, but in a more distributed way than anybody at the beginning of the year thought given the pandemic. And uh, the market corrects with a minimal impact on the software sector. Well, the, the market didn't correct, the, the economy certainly did. But um, I think part of what we've seen in 2020 is what's happening on Main Street and what's happening on Wall Street just are increasingly decoupled. It is definitely true though that the software sector has had a had a great year. So um, I thought what would be fun is, you know, talk a little bit about kind of what we see looking forward. Again, less from a, this is financial advice. This is not financial advice. Please don't go trade on the things we're talking about here, but more just in the spirit of, okay, what, what are the big trends that executives uh, should be thinking about as they flip their calendar to what I think we all hope will be a better 2021 than than the the challenges we faced over the last year. Um, so as I said, I, I still think Amazon needs to spin AWS. Um, I just think uh, it's crazy that they haven't yet. Um, we've talked about this kind of repeatedly through the year, Bob. Like it is just um, it's just insane that. Uh, it's insane on multiple levels. I mean, I think both entities are worth more just from a financial standpoint as separate than they are together. So, um, you know, you often hear bankers when they're trying to pitch acquisitions talk about the sum being greater than the parts. You know, the reality here is we've got a situation where the parts are greater than the sum. Yeah. And that's just, that's just illogical. Um, I think it makes zero sense along so many dimensions for for that to happen 
Uh, that's not if you've been listening to Cod Wars through the year, though. That's not a that's not a a new prediction, but I do think it it continues to be the case. Sean, could I ask you? Um, you know, we saw a couple months ago. I think that Snowflake went out and raised was it eighty one, eighty four. Uh, the, their valuation within a day or so came out at about eighty four billion. Yep. Um, I I'm not going to ask you to toss out a number unless you would like to, but AWS, I suspect would be higher than that. <laughs> yes. I think that is a, that is a very safe assumption. Yeah. I think, and I think I actually was looking at this cause um, we did not go over these ahead of time, but I actually have a, some, some comments on snowflakes a little later, but it's still sub a hundred billion, but it's, it's up off the IPO price, which is notable because it's up off the IPO price after the lockup is over. So this may be a little bit of insider baseball, but typically when venture back companies go public, there's a period of time where the float is relatively constrained because the shares are, are locked up. We are out of the lockup now. There was a small correction when the lockup happened, but they're, they're, the, they're up off their IPO price still, and they're closing in on a, on a hundred billion dollar valuation. And I think um, they will be, uh, I think they will only be increasing this year, but yeah, a AWS is a, probably one of the 10 most valuable companies in the world the, the, the day it goes public because the cloud trend as you've covered so well is undisputably huge. Right. And there is really no way to buy that trend today. You know, there's snowflake is a great way to buy the data analytics part of that. Um, but you know, you have to buy a retail company. If you want to buy Amazon, you've got to buy search and, and really an advertising business. If you want to buy Google cloud, you got to buy a CRM system and now a community platform. Uh, if you want to buy Salesforce, right? There is just no way to just purely invest against this trend of, uh, sort of everything being delivered as a service in these, uh, distributed infrastructure as a service players today. All right. Well, you know, in framing it, will it be bigger than Snowflake? I didn't want to pin you down too tightly, Sean, <laughs> since you've qualified here. But Sean, let me just ask one detail about that. So you're not uh, necessarily one of the 10 most valuable technology companies, but overall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, so, so uh, w which so is Amazon. And th that's the interesting thing, right? Like, you could literally have this thing be decoupled and, and immediately have two spots on the fortune 10, like, <laughs> um, which, you know, I, I acknowledge that, that may not happen like the day it opens, but I think what you'd see is just an incredible appetite for this. And I think also, frankly, you'd see a lot of the other cloud vendors have to play defense immediately because you better believe the rest of those cloud vendors are selling against the fact that, Hey, Walmart, yeah. do you really want to finance your number one competitor? Yeah. It's, it, it would be, it would be an incredible, you know, moment if they, if these were decoupled, I was, uh, this year, one of the biographies I read was the Rockefeller biography. And what's interesting about Rockefeller is, you know, certainly he fought hard not to have Standard Oil split apart. But if you actually look at the wealth creation that happened in that kind of family entity, family office, if you will, 
it really happened after those entities were split apart. And certainly the Amazon shareholders have done incredibly well. It's been a, it's been a good year and it's been a, a great run for Amazon shareholders. But I think what you might see if these are split apart and shareholders become shareholders in both of those entities is even more wealth created with those as separate entities and potentially more than two, but the, the obvious and the, the just sort of completely low hanging fruit from a financial perspective is certainly AWS and the rest of Amazon. I think you can make other arguments about, you know, Amazon marketplace versus uh, Amazon direct products and things like that, but that's kind of a different policy question, right? Just in terms of dollars and cents and enterprise value. I really do believe, again, we have a situation where the parts are greater than the sum here. Interesting. All right. So, so the next two, I think, um, that I wanted to talk about are both opportunities to talk about, I think, some ways that people are misreading the implications of the pandemic from a business perspective, right? So certainly the most important part of this pandemic goes without saying is the health consequences of it. So, so that's, that's the most important thing, period, full stop. But, you know, I'm a business school professor and I'm an investor and, you know, people don't come to me for insights on epidemiology. So I'm going to leave that to people who are experts in that area. I but wish I will... more people had that discretion, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I leave the Elon Musk jokes aside here for a minute. But, um, but I would just say, like, in terms of the, the business trends around that, I think there's this narrative that's emerged that has unfortunately um, taken hold. And I've heard it more and more uh, which is, well, what COVID-19 was from a business perspective was, was the great accelerant. And that is like partially true, but it's dangerous when you apply that holistically across all the different markets. So the reality is for, for parts of the market, what COVID-19 did is it took things that we expected to happen 10, 15 years from now, and it made it happen in a matter of quarters instead of a decade. But in other areas, things are going to go back to the way they were when this, you know, through some combination of, of testing and now thankfully these, these vaccines that are starting to, to roll out and I think probably more responsible just decisions across the board as we head into to next year, we're going to eventually get back to things like they were. And some of these things will just snap back. Like an easy, not controversial example of this that I like to give people is my kids will go back to school as soon as it's safe for my kids to go back to school, right? I have a, a eight-year-old and, and a son who turns 10 this weekend uh, when we're recording, right? We are, there is, there's been no accelerant towards Zoom-based elementary education, right? what's happened is we've done Zoom-based elementary education because some parents have believed that's the right thing for their families and, and whatever, but that is not an accelerant. That is, just, that is just a correction that will correct back. Now, I also teach graduate school at Carnegie Mellon. I think graduate education may forever be changed based on what happened here. And so that's an easy example of how you can't just universally apply this, like draw the line and just say, hey, what we've experienced been this accelerant across the board. 
Hey, Sean, that's an interesting point. And I want to come back to that in just a second. But first, a word from BMC, our sponsor. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A game. Unfortunately, I think people are believing that what's happened is, oh, we've sort of looked into the future and the future has gone from being, you know, unevenly distributed to evenly distributed and this being a, a prediction of the future. And I think it's, it's dangerous. So a couple of predictions on that. Um, so th the way to sort of make this a measurable prediction is my prediction is that DoorDash, which went public recently, trading at about a $60 billion valuation market cap right now. Uh, I think it gets roughly cut in half over the next 12 months. And the reason is that the business is trading based on a premium that people are going to, in my opinion, right? And again, this is not financial advice, just as a reminder again, but in my opinion, it's trading based on an assumption that people will be doing the same amount of remote food delivery on a go forward basis that they're doing right now. And I don't think that's the case. I think food delivery is going to look a lot more like elementary education than uh, it's going to look like graduate education, right? And, and that may or may not mean that there's a, a market for these intermediaries to do delivery versus restaurants doing delivery directly. But I think you're going to see eventually most of that dining shift back to in-person dining and, and the real shift just being people going from takeout to having it be delivered to them via labor arbitrage. And I don't think the DoorDash multiples support that being the societal trend behind it. John, it's, a, it's an awkward, inelegant parallel, but it's kind of like thinking that for this year, any company that made masks, right? You'd say, wow, you know, they made 10 billion this year. So 10 billion next year, it's not gonna happen. So I, I, I applaud your willingness to step in because um, I think nine out of 10 people who opine about the future saying everything changes, nothing is the same. So that's a very, uh, I think, reasonable and sobering point you're making here is just step back, think about it a little. A lot of stuff's going to change quite profoundly and it will not bounce back. There will be or snap back. There's some other stuff that clearly will. And that is a, that's a couple of great examples you've offered. Thanks. And, and then on the other side, what I would say is, I think what you've seen some companies do, though, is use this catalyzing event, right, to, to make the changes to position their company to be even stronger on a go forward basis. And, you know, I, I've been really optimistic and uh, very positive on Disney for a, for a long time. Um, you know, two years ago, I started telling people, every boardroom in America is going to be asking themselves, what's their Disney plus moment? You know, when, when the pandemic hit and, and Disney stock got um, hammered a little bit, I actually, I don't trade a lot on personal accounts, but I actually went and bought um, a bunch of Disney stock in March and it's up, you know, significantly for, for full disclosure. So it's almost three X at this point. I still own quite a bit of Disney stock, but um, or quite a bit for me, not quite a lot in the, the macro sense of the word, to be clear. Um, I am 
not moving the market one way or the other there, just so we're all clear on this. But uh, I just, for full disclosure, am a personal investor in, in Disney. But I think um, Disney has pretty much played this about as perfectly as a company in the entertainment space could. And I think they're continuing to make the right choices there. And I think what you're going to see over the next 12 months, and both companies have done well in 2020, so you're going to see Disney dramatically outperform Netflix in 2021. Because I think uh, the things that Disney is doing, it's things that that as great a company as Netflix is and they've executed well, they're just not going to be able to compete with. There are fr There's franchise value there that provides incumbency advantage that's going to be really hard. And I think, again, to these world what what changes what stays the same again i don't know if it's in 2021 or 2022 but you're going to eventually see people continue to go back to recreational travel you know I, again my kids love disney we were supposed to be there this year we made a decision not to go this year but when it's safe like we're 100 percent going to go back and pay walt disney world a ton of money for a three or four day experience that's just that's the right thing i might i expect i'll be doing less business travel in 2021 and, and probably forever. Um, but I don't think we're going to forever not be taking family vacations and making memories and things like that. And so I think Disney stock dramatically outperforms Netflix in, in 2021, again, because of this sort of trying to think through what are the sustainable changes and what aren't. And I think in both ways, it plays really well into Disney's favor there. John, um, could I add a, a data point here? It's it involves Disney, but it's not nearly as interesting as what you've been talking about, but it'll make your prediction seem even better by the triviality of my comment. Okay, go so, for it. Uh, next year in 2021, if you look at Disney's traditional growth rates and Microsoft's traditional growth rates, Microsoft's cloud business in 2021, not all of Microsoft, just Microsoft's cloud business will be bigger than the whole of Disney Corporation. Just to, you know, yeah, just a sense of scale there. Yeah. It's yeah. extraordinary. Which I think gets to the AWS point in a different way too, right? Because like, like you just, man, when people say the cloud is a big thing, I don't think they fully grasp how big these are, right? And I think there's real synergies for Microsoft. So I actually don't think they're, but you, you know, you could see, this is not a prediction, but you could see Google do something similar with the Google cloud business. I mean, people are going to want the ability to treat these things as standalone enterprise tech businesses on a, on a go forward basis. Um, and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. The next one is one that I, I alluded to last time, but I just continue to feel really optimistic about this, even though the, the feedback on social media was somewhere on the lines of you're crazy, uh, which is, which is great. Like the, <laughs> you know, these are again, uh, more like thought exercises than they are like things that I think you should trade on. But I do think Apple is going to get into the infrastructure as a service business, um, frankly, because uh, when you're a business like Apple, you've got to find, you know, major opportunities to go into. Th there aren't a lot of spaces left. There aren't a lot of white space left for Apple. I think health is one white space, but there aren't a ton of white space left for businesses like Apple. That said, infrastructure as a service is a huge market that they are not in today that they could get into. And they now have uh, some computational uh, advantage with their chipset and, and R&D there that may allow them to, to have a place in this, in this ecosystem. I think it's gonna be really interesting to see Apple make a play there. 
So those are the four predictions that are independent of Cloud Wars. But I did want to get to a fifth one, which is a Cloud Wars specific prediction. Okay. And I haven't previewed this with, with you. So there's a chance you're going to be like, nope. And, and then I know I'm, I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> you know, 0 for 1 with four still, still at play here. But I think over the next 12 months, what you're going to see in the conversation amongst the C-suite is that data analytics as a topic is going to be elevated in significance to such a level that I'm going to predict that Cloud Wars this time next year includes Snowflake as one of its top 10 cloud players, which admittedly seems kind of crazy today because relative to the, you know, the other companies out there, they're, they're, they're small along all dimensions, right? I think they did about 160 million yeah. in their last reported uh, quarterly earnings, which is, which is, you know, uh, I don't know, that's what is that like Larry's fuel budget for the plane? I'm not sure, but it's, it's not a significant, it's not a significant part of this. But, but when you look at the rate at which they're growing and how strategic data analytics is going to be, and the relatively uh, highly valued stock that they can use to go play offense and not defense over the next 12 months, the ability to be really the only, again, pure play investment in that data analytics space right now. And just every executive I'm talking to today is trying to figure out how to make more insight around the data that they have, deliver them, you know, more data analytics, data science, whatever you want to call it. And I believe build products based on that, right? So we had our corporate startup lab forum last month. And one theme you heard over and over again is how can I take this exhaust, the data that I'm collecting for one purpose and monetize it as a new product or a new service to deliver different value to my existing customers or go get new customers. I think Snowflake is incredibly well positioned uh, for all of these trends over the next 12 months. And so they'll be small. I mean, even if they, even if they tripled next year, they're going to be small relative to the, the other players on your uh, list. But, you know, one of the things I think you've done a good job of is talking about revenue, but also influence, right? If you think about service now, like their, their influence probably outkicks their, their revenue right now. And I think you're going to see Snowflake look very similar over the next 12 months. Uh, Sean, very interesting. And I think what you, you said there right at the end, the, it's the influence, it's the impact. And I don't think it's unquestionable that uh, Snowflake has triggered either an acceleration in changing among some of the bigger companies, what they do, how they do it, how they emphasize it, how much effort and energy they're putting behind it, or it has you know, spurred them to um, do entirely new things there. So yeah, I think they've had a massive uh, a massive impact there. And it's, it's a great thing because, you know, what I have said, you know, hundreds of times in 2020 is that the, the, in the cloud wars, the biggest winners of all are the customers yep. and a technology company that can influence other tech companies, especially ones many, many times larger, uh, better known than them to do things differently, which will result in better outcomes for customers. That's a, that's a huge part of my secret algorithm, Sean, that I use. Well, I don't, I don't want you to disclose any trade secrets here, Bob, but I'm just saying, if I were predicting, which, which is sort of the game that we play every yes. December in Cloud Wars, that would be a prediction for me over the next 12 months. Right. Uh, Sean, it's interesting too. And, you know, you look at the, their CEO, Frank Slootman, you know, he had uh, 
he has quite an interesting track record, right? He's been around, he's done different things. I don't think he comes in and tries to, you know, uh, seduce anybody with, you know, fairy tale talk about, well, what the world could be. You know, he, he's just, he is quite persuasive. He's quite uh, impressive about it. And he's, he's not coming in to try to be something other than what they are. But I think he knows he's jumped on a technology and a company and a, a value premise as you described it, everybody's trying to figure out how do I figure out how to turn this stuff I have, which everybody says is real valuable into something that is demonstrably valuable. That's right. That's right. Um, Sean, that is quite a set of, uh, of ideas here. Could you, would you be willing to take one step farther out and say which of these you feel most confident about? Uh, so I probably feel most confident and it's maybe irrationally so, but that I just can't imagine Amazon gets through another year with AWS in, in the same legal entity as the rest of, of Amazon. I mean, but I but the the scary thing about that is if you'd asked me 12 months ago, which of the five last year I felt most confident about, that would have been my answer too. And interestingly, the one that I felt was like the furthest over my skis by a lot was the Slack prediction, yeah. right? Because Slack was, was a darling at the time, but you just, when you actually sort of peel the onion back and looked at the revenue, it was just obvious that they weren't penetrating into these major accounts, yeah. right? And, and somebody end up being Mark at Salesforce, but you know, we tossed out kind of five names at the time, but one of those was gonna just step in and say, you know what? You guys have built an incredible product here. It's now time to turn this into an incredible business. Yeah. I will say, I think when we look back on that, you know, we said two Cloud Wars conversations ago, you know, the biggest mistake that Oracle was making on the TikTok was not the money they were going to lose because it's it's really not that much money, and some of this is financial engineering, and I think if and when that goes public, like the, the downside risk is, is relatively modest to a business like Oracle, but it was the distraction factor, right? And man, uh, if they missed out on Slack because they were distracted with that TikTok acquisition, that that's gonna make the opportunity cost of that acquisition feel mm. significant uh, 12 months from now. All right, all right. And uh, Sean, before you go here, just, just one thing on a personal basis, um, your predictions and looking ahead for this year. What about you and your triathlete career? So my, you know, so I was supposed to do Waco 70.3 uh, this, um, this fall and rightfully so Texas made the decision that that wasn't a safe thing to happen, uh, which probably I would have opted out even if they didn't. I mean, it's hard to think of a less COVID friendly activity than why don't we put a couple thousand people in a really small space, have them breathe really heavy on each other for like seven hours. Like, you know, I can't think of a better super spreader event than an Ironman triathlon, but I was supposed to do that. Uh, I was supposed to do that this year and, and ended up deferring that for next year. I'm really looking forward to it. One, just cause it's fun. It's fun to have a race on the calendar. It's fun to have something to be shooting at, but also uh, you, you know, my friend, John, who was the best man at my wedding, John runs Startup Waco. Uh, and so it'll be a great excuse to go see him, uh-huh. have some time with his his wife and his kids and him, and then also do the race. So it should be be a lot of fun. And I'm anxious to get back out there. And I think by you know fall of 2021, 
hopefully we'll be in a, in a situation again between testing and vaccination where we can actually do those kinds of things again, and that'll be fun. Well, that's fantastic, Sean. So you you had a, a, a superb record on your predictions for this year. Uh, we'll watch you closely on what happens in 2021. And remember, you know, I, I can be uh, the one about Cloud Wars and maybe getting somebody in there. I can be influenced, you know, some dinners some gifts and also, you know. It's good. It's good to know. If I'm, I'm good, open minded, if, if I get to November and I'm desperate, we, we may need to talk. So. Very good. Well, Sean, thanks a million. All the best to you and your family. Uh, thank you so much. It's always a treat talking with you. Same to you, Bob. Take care. And to all of you great folks out there in the Cloud Wars audience, thanks so much for being here. Hope it's a fantastic holiday season and 2021 for you and your families. Thanks for being with us. And we look forward to seeing you again soon.